0: Hello friends and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week three of our series on prayer and this week we are led by our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. Here he is with this week's message based out of the book of Philippians. Thank you for listening. Well, Father, we thank you and we love you and we praise you for who you are and for what you do in our life. And God, as we continue to talk about prayer this morning, we pray um, that you would give us ears to hear what it is you want to say to us. We pray, God, that you would convict our hearts of the things that we are holding on to, and Lord, the things that we can't do anything about, help us to let go of them. So Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you for Paul and his letters, and we thank you for this word that we have this morning, and may we hear it as if spoken to us, God, because it is. So uh, we love you, and we praise you in your name. Well, good morning, church. My name is Pastor uh, Jamie Kendrew, and it's a blessing to be here with you. We are streaming live this morning, and I am aware that we have some folks from the Dominican Republic coming to church with us in the Dominican this morning. So, Dios le bendiga, and welcome to all of you as well. Um, It's kind of cool that we can do that, huh? That uh, one day we're going to do that together anyway, right? So, um, we thank God for our brothers and sisters in El Tamarindo joining us via the stream today. And so, you know, God is really teaching us something, that our faith and our life, we, we overcomplicate a lot. You know, I think of the concept of prayer, and as a church leader, there's, there's no other concept, I think, other than grace and, and mercy that we mess up like we mess up prayer. Sometimes we create prayer into this thing that is so unattainable and unreachable that most of us, we don't even do it. I have had countless people come to me and say, Pastor Jamie, I just don't know how to pray. You just spoke to me. That's all it is. Prayer is something that is is simple. It is something that is complex all at the same time. Have you ever been starstruck? Anybody? You ever encountered somebody and you just went... Whoa, I know, I can't believe I met this person. I remember early in my ministry career, I was helping with a, a hockey camp, and, and I had the privilege of meeting one of the Pittsburgh Penguins who I had um, looked up to as a kid. He was known in the league as being a tough guy. He was a fighter. And, and I remember there was this moment where he was one of the speakers at the camp, and all the counselors and people working at the camp, we went to his home. And I thought to myself, I'm going to this guy's home. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. This is awesome. And I was starstruck. And I remember in that moment when I got to his house, I was expecting it to be like a kickboxing ring or like this MMA fighting locker room. But it was like a farmhouse. And I remember there was his children who were there and one of them ran up to him and here's this tough man of the NHL. He grabs his child and he blows a Zerbert on his belly. (laughs) Forever shattering the image of bad boy that I had of him. But I learned something about prayer that day learned a lot about prayer that day because you see a lot of times in our life we get starstruck about the wrong things like i i just had dinner with the prime minister of cambodia a few weeks ago it's kind of a neat thing but did you know i know the creator of the universe yeah name drop that one do you get what i'm saying people Do you believe God is who he said he is? Do you believe that Christ saved you the way he said he saved you? Then if you do, we shouldn't be starstruck by anybody because you're already as connected as you're ever going to get. Let that sink in for real for a minute. You know the God who sculpted whales, who also designed the intricacies of the pinky mark on your pinky. The same God that developed capillaries is the same God who carved out the Grand Canyon with the winds or however you want to argue that he did it, he still did it. You know him. And not only do you know him, there's nothing in between you and him. You have direct access to almighty God. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn, and you may not understand theologically what that means, and some of you do, but that means you don't need somebody to go to God for you anymore because Jesus did it. You have a direct path to the creator of everything. I'm very impressed on how well connected you are. It doesn't get any better than that. No president, no king, no this or that has ever been an existence that has uh, superseded the awesomeness of the connectivity that you have to God. So if we believe we're as connected as we say we believe, then why are we not praying more? Because listen to me, God is not some like elf on the shelf that you set aside or who shows up at your house God is always present. God is always there. You don't flip a switch and he waits in the car for you until after work. He is there with you at work. He walks with you. He walks before you. He comes in behind. God is always present. In fact, he is sometimes more present than you are. God is alive. He is real. He loves you. He wants to see you fulfill the plan that he has for you. So why don't we pray more? Why don't we trust Him? You know, we're in this series in prayer, and we're talking about how we're to pray. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how praise is to be the first thing off of our lips. And that is correct. Last week, we talked about repentance. And this week, we're going to talk about how it is for us as Christians, how we're to ask God for stuff. Because there's a lot of false teachings out in our world today that say if you're just... If you're just good enough and you're moralistic enough that God will give you a special blessing and you will be given $40 bajillion and suffer for the Lord in a Hawaiian tropics resort. And listen to me. If someone's painting the picture you that this Christian life is floating down a peaceful river, they're lying to you. It's more like the raging rapids. And for sickos like me, I actually really enjoy that. And the thing I learned over the years is if I continue to fight the current, the trip is miserable. But if I get into the flow of what's going on, it is a most excellent ride. And I'm going to tell you, your life is that same thing. You are in the flow of a raging river of faith. And if you can either fight it and suffer and be miserable, or you can get into the flow of what God's doing, and trust me, it is going to be more wild and excellent than you could ever imagine. Just ask Jim West. God loves you. He wants to see you become who he wants you to be, who he created you to be. And he wants to be in communication with you. He wants to have intimacy with you in that way. He wants to talk to you. God wants the lofty prayers. And it is right for us to come and to kneel before the creator of everything in a very reverent way. It is right for us to be reverent before God. It is right for us to be in awe of him, in awe of His what he has done. But it's also right for us to remember that we have a God in heaven that wants to blow zerberts on our bellies too. We have a God that cares about chit-chat. We have a God that cares about the small conversations as much as he cares about the big conversations. It is right for you to go to the Lord in a corporate setting and, 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 and be... Um, Holy and be righteous, but it's also right for you to weep as you're sitting somewhere talking to God. God wants to talk to you all the time. He wants to hear from you. So many people have broken my heart because they've come to me and said, I I tried that prayer life thing and I lay in my bed at night and I really just try. I'm I'm so tired. I come home and I, I really want to pray to God and I lay there and I fall asleep and I figure, you know what, I just fall asleep every night so I quit and I give up. And you've heard me say it before and I'll say it again. What father doesn't love when their children curl up in their lap and fall asleep? Your prayers aren't broken. Your prayers aren't wrong. Your thinking about it is. Yes, he is the almighty creator of the galaxy, universe, everything and holy, he is the nuclear bomb of connections. God is good. He is right. He is beautiful, but he's also your father. He also desires kid-like relationship with you. I love that image of that bad boy of hockey blowing a Zerbert on his child's stomach because it changed my perspective. And listen to me. God is amazing. But he cares about your hamster that is sick. That might sound ridiculous, but he does. Because that's what a parent cares about. A parent cares about the things that wound his children. But listen to me. Make no mistake, and I want you to really listen to how I'm about to say this. We've created in our minds that if we pray hard enough and we just act good enough, that God will give us a special blessing. Listen to me. There's no such thing as a special blessing from God. Do you know why? Because when we're obedient to what he's calling us to, it's always been a part of the plan. God's goodness has always been there. We have just been going the other direction. And we always say, well, God has blessed me in a special way when we've come back to his will. But listen, it's not like God went, oh, okay, well, they decided to listen. I'm going to do this. No, it's always been a part of the plan. God's awesomeness and the blessing of you is a part of his plan. You're messing it up. Amen? Amen? We get in the way. I love the story of the prodigal son that was taught last week when we talked about repentance. Listen to me. Make no mistake of it. The reason why the prodigal son was lost was because he only cared about the father for his stuff. His mind and his heart and his prayers, they were wrong. He cared about the father, not because of who the father was and because of who his household was. He only wanted his stuff. And it wasn't until he came to the realization that the stuff didn't matter that the younger son was able to come back. And what does it say in the word of God? That the father ran to him. Do you think the father stopped loving his son while he was off running wild? Absolutely not. So the younger comes back. And the father embraces him because the younger stopped worrying about the stuff. Are you in this faith so that you can get stuff? Is God nothing more than Santa Claus to you? Because if that's the way you're living this faith, you're missing out on the tremendous blessing and freedom that are found in Christ. The word says that if we come to him in prayer, he will give us the desires of our heart. But I ask you the question, is your heart in the right place? Because when our heart is in the right place, God does amazing things. He always does amazing things. Say this with me. God always answers prayer. 100% of the time, God will answer a prayer. It's just not always the way we want. It's important for us to remember that. It's not your will be done. It's God's will be done, church. Are you submissive to that? You know, this morning, we're talking about the word anxiety. Has anybody in here ever worried about something? Have you ever had anxiety about anything? Do you know what it's like to have to write a sermon about anxiety the week before? I have been anxious about everything, and I'm the biggest hypocrite in the room right now. But God doesn't desire for us to live a life of being anxious. You know we're finding this passage of scripture in the book of Philippians chapter 4 around the year 60 AD and what's taking place in the world this time is the Romans are persecuting the Christians like crazy and the church in Philippi in particular is a church that really appreciated the Roman culture uh, or or a city, not the church excuse me, the city embraced the Romanhood. they They were all about the Pax Romana And, and so to be in Philippi during this time was a very difficult thing for these christians and so they're they're experiencing hardship they're experiencing strife and so as the world caves in on the church in philippi the church itself it becomes fractured and begins to quarrel amongst itself so paul writes this letter to the church and he's calling out two specific people by the name of euda and syntiki and basically he's saying look ladies you've got to quit fighting with each other and I want the rest of the church to come alongside and get them to stop fighting because we've got bigger fish to fry. There's so much other stuff going on in the world, we cannot be worried about fighting in-house. And God says, or Paul says to the people, he says, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. It's found in verse 4, Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. It says, uh, Rejoice. Go to the next one. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Now, when we hear that phrase, the Lord is near, one of our first thoughts is he's talking about the end of the world. Is he or is he talking about the fact that God is present with us? I don't have an answer to that right now. But I think as Christians, we oftentimes need to be thinking more of the lungs of the lines that God is present and that God does not simply stay at Christ's church all week. God does not live in this building. Did you know that? He lives in here. He lives in you. So, realistically, when none of you are here, I would ask the question is this even a church? Or is it just a building? It's just a building. You guys are the church. God is in here, He goes with you. And so, He says, rejoice. And so, as we talked about praise coming off of our lips, it's right for us to pray with praise. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Now, that word in Greek comes from a term that really is talking about two things being torn in two different directions, and I want to say this: there's different types of anxiety that we as people experience, and there's, there's clinical anxiety, which is a very real problem that unfortunately,'t we, we don't, we don't have we have no control over that anxiety, and some of you know what I'm talking about, and some of you don't. But then there's this other type of anxiety that is really anxiety that we pick up, that we own and we grab or we hold on to and i want to say this well the diagnosis of those types of anxieties may be very different the solution is the same it's trusting in god it's asking god to liberate you from that and some of you in a clinical anxiety have a much different road to go than those those that are that are struggling with an anxiety that is brought on by the things that you have well created yourself is that making sense and so what we have here in this passage is we've got Paul saying do not be anxious about anything. Do not be torn apart by anything. And really what anxiousness comes to be is really it's hope and fear fighting against one another. We hope that it works out this way, but our fear is it's going to happen this way, and so we worry. And did you know that um, uh, 98%... Wait, what is, what is the statistic? Let me find it here real quick. 92% of everything that we worry about is people is something we can do nothing about. In fact, 92% of what we worry about is out of our control. In fact, a lot of that 92% really is lies. How many of you have had a fight with your family and you can't even remember why you're fighting? It's because in our minds, things grow bigger than they really are. And as we worry about stuff, the question I want you to ask yourself is, is that thing I'm worrying about realistically as bad as I think it is? Or is it something completely different because we worry about stuff and it grows in our minds and i want us to remember that satan is a liar satan is a liar satan cannot control your mind but he can trick it he can trick your mind he can trick you being into the lies that you're ugly gross and dumb and no one loves you He can trick you into believing that you're useless. He can can trick you into believing that there's no possible way out of this current situation that I'm in. He can trick you into believing the lies, but God does not want us to live there. There are 8% of things that we as people, according to a study done done by Walter Carver, there are 8% of things that we as people are going to worry about. And in those moments, we need to surrender that to God. Because listen... You can't do anything about your problems other than surrender them to God and show up when he's going to deal with them. And so what we're being told here is he says, Rejoice always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So I ask you the question, in everything... That's Zerberts and High Church, (laughs) all right? God wants you to bring everything to him, everything that you are dealing with. God wants to talk with you about it. He wants you to give it to him. He wants you to surrender your hope and fear to him, trusting that his plan is good, and he will work it out for his glory. You know, this past week was a tough week. When I say I was anxious, I mean I was anxious about everything, Last Saturday, a hockey player, a kid that I've coached for a long time, um, received a collision. He's a goaltender in the net, and he was paralyzed from the shoulders down. And I spent the day with his father and his mother and him on Monday, and the swelling on his spine was so intense that he couldn't feel anything. They were stabbing him with scissors. And I was so blessed as I went down and I prayed with them. And, and this is, a, this is a, a secular culture that we're in. And I prayed with them. And then I watched as some of my other coaches, we went and we prayed with them. And the people of God showed up and began to pray with them. And then some of you in the church who knew the family actually began to pray with them. And I want to tell you, yesterday he walked out onto the deck. About a year and a half ago, We saw one of our own congregants was told by doctors, her family was told by doctors that she was brain dead and she would never survive this and she would never be right. And as her family came around her and started praying, she began speaking and saying the name Jesus. I watched a woman come back from the dead because people prayed and asked with a right mind and they asked with a right heart. Even my trip to Cambodia recently, I, my doctor told me, you're absolutely nuts. I can't believe you're going to do this. This is going to be horrible for your back. Your, your back is crumbling. Your spine is a mess. And you should not be going on this trip. Why are you doing this? And I looked at him and I said, look, I, God's called me to this. I'm going to be obedient and I'll figure it out and he'll take care of it. So while I'm in Cambodia, a man, prays over my back in church. I haven't had pain since. <laughs> And I'm not not one who sensationalizes these things. I even went to the doctor a week ago and had a scan done, and the doctor looked at me and said, there's no reason to explain why your back's healing the way it is. I said, oh yeah, there is. And he got to laugh (laughs) because he's a believer. But I want to believe that, as I said earlier, it wasn't a special blessing. It was simply being obedient to the plan that God had for me. The blessing was there waiting for me. It's, was I going to follow God's plan, or was I going to follow the plan that was convenient for me? Listen, I've been in hospital rooms where doctors have come in and told their parents, your child's not going to make it, and the child doesn't make it. I've been in family meetings with people when they've come in and said, your son's never going to walk again, and he hasn't. Does that mean that God is not present Does that mean that God doesn't love that family? Absolutely not. It means that his plan was different for these folks. Sometimes it is God's will to miraculously heal, and sometimes God wants to use a tragedy to do something miraculously good for himself. I'm positive that Mary at the foot of the cross was not singing, Just as I am, this is a great moment for humanity. Her son was being tortured to death. It was the worst moment of her life, but it was the greatest moment in history. Sometimes God's plan is so ridiculous. He's a rascal. (laughs) We can't understand it. But it's our job to have right thinking and believing in God. It's our job to have a right heart. And it's our job to bring right prayers to God, prayers of petition, prayers that are not afraid to ask big things of God. Maybe some of you in this room, you pray too small. You know, I remember when I... Asked for the congregation to pray for God to use me, not just for my healing. A lot of you had a problem with that. And I want to say this. I'm okay if God heals me. I'm okay if I, if I relapse and he doesn't heal me. What I'm asking you to do is that same thing. Pray for God to use your circumstances regardless of how it affects you. Do you see what I'm saying? And when you bring your petitions to God in that way, your heart is in tune with God, and so the requests that he says I will give to you will be the requests that will bring him glory. When we go to God and request like Santa Claus, those prayers fall flat. But when we go with a repentant, honest heart that says, God, I want to see your will be done, God will knock your socks off with what he's going to do with your life. Again, Jim West, go talk to him about what God's doing. As he has surrendered to God's will. And so I ask you this, how have you surrendered to God's will? Warren Wearsby, the theologian, breaks this passage of scripture down, which is a really good passage. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And this, it ends with this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So in a story we began with anxiety, we're given the antidote for anxiety. Trusting in God will bring the peace of God. And the peace of God is a raging river. It's a wild ride. But you will have peace. If you have anxiety in your life, God will bring you peace. God will work in your life. And so I want to encourage you as we think about this, you know, Warren Wiersbe broke this down into three things, and I want you to remember these things. When we look at this passage, it breaks down into remembering. In order for us to have right prayer, which is the first thing, our, our prayers need to ask God what his will is. There's a lot of you in this room who've said to me, I don't know how to pray. In fact, I would say more of you probably have that question than don't. I've never been taught to pray. I don't know how to pray. Listen to me. Do you want to know how to pray? You simply sit down, and I would encourage you to say it out loud God, I don't know how to pray. Will you help me to pray? Because when you do that, guess what? You're praying. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation between you and God. And I want to encourage you, simply go to God and say, help me to pray. And tell him then why you don't feel like you know how to pray. I don't know how to pray, God, because I just feel like I'm not good enough, or I don't know the Bible well enough, or I I don't go to church 50 times a day, or whatever it may be. I I don't feel like I'm qualified to pray. Listen to me. God wants chit-chat with you. He wants long conversations with you. He wants corporate conversations with you. Go to him. And ask him, and ask for his will to be done. Don't use God as Santa, but ask God for his will to be done. And then when you pray, expect there to be an answer. Don't be surprised when God shows up. One of the biggest sins in my life is is when God actually answers the prayer, and I go, wow, like you really didn't think that was going to happen? Come on, Jamie. So the question I have for you is, are you believing in the prayers that you throw up? Are your prayers ridiculous or are they too little? Listen, pray about everything, not just the big things. You know what, in fact, big things oftentimes don't become big things when we start praying about them when they're little things because we don't let anxiety and fear take over and blow them up. We're called to be right in our prayer and we're called to be right in our thinking. Don't buy into the lies. Don't buy into the brokenness. Believe the word of God. Be moral, be honest, be pure, be positive. It goes down to say in verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. And whatever you've learned, received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So as we think about Having right prayers, we have to be right in our thinking. And as we think about our right thinking, I love how Pastor Ed said it last week, we need to be right in our living. You know, I I thought it was funny when he said, you know, it's like the kid who doesn't study for his test and then prays, God, please help me pass the test. And when he gets an F, he blames God. Are you living right? Are you living righteous? Because listen, God wants a relationship with you, but if you're off living in squalor in the pig pen... How are you going to talk to the Father? It's not him who's not there. He still loves you. He's waiting. But you've chosen something else. And I want us to be honest about that with ourselves. Because we blame God for a lot. And I just want to ask the question, are you at the Father's house or are you down at the pig pens? Because we're called to live right. And when we live right, when we think right, our prayers of asking are right, because they will be in tune with God. They will be in tune with what he wants. Remember, you have a God in heaven who delights in you, who wants to blow zerberts on your belly, who wants to be playful and have conversations of heartbreak, conversations of goodness, of guidance, regardless of what you went through. He loves you, and, 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 and he loves you how you are, but he doesn't want to see you stay there. He wants to see you become who he's called you to be. So would you submit to that this morning and ask God, what is your will for my life? So Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you love each and every one of us, God. And as we commit to praying with praise, as we commit to being repentant, God, because we have to have a repentant heart, we pray that you would help our asks, our supplication, the things that we ask of you, God. We pray that they would be in alignment with your will for your kingdom and your will for our life and help us to not selfishly try to take control. Because when we try to take control and and make things happen our way, God, the only thing we get is anxiety, and anxiety brings death. God, we thank you for the way that you answer prayers, some miraculous, some tragic. But regardless, help us to submit to what your will is.